Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1235 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here with you as Bob and the Oilers embark to Pittsburgh for a game tomorrow on 630. Chad, 5 o'clock puck drop, 3.30 for your City Ford face-off show. And then uh, an early one once again on Saturday. It is a 10.30 puck drop against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Top story today brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments, no interest for a year that's how you build a legacy legacy heating and cooling didn't mention this in the first block but yes last night Connor mcdavid became the fifth fastest player in nhl history to reach 800 career points joining the likes of <laughs> wayne gretzky mario lemieux mike bossy and peter stastny there you go 545 games. He's up to, I think, 802 points after last night's uh, three-point outburst. Pretty good hockey player. Lots of longevity there. (laughs) It's a privilege to watch him each and every night. It's something that we have to remind ourselves not to take for granted. Let's go to Sportsnet Spec. Mark Spector for the, not the horses, for Aquarian Renovations, an experience worth sharing. Get started today at AquarianRenovations.com. Mark, a lot to talk about. Appreciate you jumping aboard. How are you doing this afternoon? Well, not as well as I hoped it would, my friend. The uh, travel bugs kind of got me. I'm sitting in Calgary and probably not heading to Pittsburgh as planned. A bunch of flight cancellations going on. There's weather out east. And uh, I have a feeling I'm watching those two games on TV, buddy. Coming straight back home after a little journey to Calgary today. Oh, I hope it was a a leisurely (laughs) jaunt uh, down to Calgary. That's It's still, hey, I know we've got the polar vortex here, but uh, you're saying weather out east is causing these cancellations. 
Ah, you know, I don't need to bore everybody with my travel itinerary, but it started out as a pretty easy uh, flight to Toronto and into Pittsburgh uh, has turned into much more than that. And to be honest, uh, it's probably time to abort, my friend, and (laughs) head back home with my tail between my legs. Well, there you go. No choice for the Oilers, although I'll tell you what, they spent a lot of that game last night against Philly with their tail between their legs. Uh, Certainly not the first 40 minutes that anybody envisioned, and to me, Mark, this is a problem that predates this rendition of this team. They've had a hard time at times getting going for about three seasons now, but you can't be squandering points. They haven't been. They've got points in 15 of 16 games, you know, save for a couple of overtime defeats there. And I asked Zach Hyman a, a post game, and uh, you're trying to get this done in regulation time, given how things have been going in overtime, and he sloughed it <laughs> off as, as you expected he would. But I'll tell you what, for them to take care of business in the third period, I think was pretty important last night. Yeah, listen, I think the thing on this Oilers team, and it's really been like this for a long time, is they've certainly got one way to win. They can win, you know, when they score a bunch of goals and we watch highly entertaining hockey and the kind of stuff everyone who's from Edmonton was born and raised on. We got that stuff down in Edmonton, the 5-4 win, the you know, or the 6-1 win, whatever it is. The challenge always was and still remains when a team like Philly comes in and clogs it up and bores it down and and doesn't play anything close to you know wide open free skating hockey can you beat that team can you can you win when that's the style that's being deployed and listen sometimes that team comes into your town Brandon and you dictate the game and and you score a couple early they can't play that way anymore and it almost always goes Edmonton's way but last night as as in Philly Right, Philly got control of both those games, and they, they were both played under the Flyers, you know, the way they wanted them played. And, and can you win that game? Right? Can you win when it's a little bit out of your comfort zone? And Edmonton did last night, and really, that's a challenge. Right? That's you can't just have one way to win. You got to have more than one way to win. And Edmonton found a second way last night. Outside of their comfort zone, perhaps, but still the first two stars of the game, McDavid and Dreisaitl, who collect uh, respective points number 800 and 700 on the same play. Not to mention, as you pointed out last night, I think uh, it was Nugent Hopkins, uh, his career high setting 70th point as well. So a lot going on on that one goal. And, and you know, two points in, in this type of a, a muddied Western Conference playoff race, like it, it, it almost feels... It does feel like they've left something on the table in those overtime losses, Mark, but you almost have to pause and say, yeah, there's points in 15 of 16 games still there, and and maybe it's not as dire uh, in terms of trying to find some sort of missing ingredient right now as, as it has felt over the last four games. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I think we're all guilty, and I'm talking fans and journalists and everybody of we follow this thing inch by inch right centimeter by centimeter we follow the orders and and sometimes you gotta look down from you know ten thousand feet here right and you're right they've lost one game in regulation since january 11th uh you know that's there's teams all over the league that would snap their fingers and take that sight unseen right one one regulation loss in over a month you'd be the you'd be the boston bruins if you did that every month so, you know, I guess we do wonder. We we questioned the goaltending wasn't very good the last two games when it counted. They couldn't hold the lead, and that's a concern. We wonder about their ability to defend, to lock things down. But, 
big picture, uh, when you lose one in six weeks, are we really complaining that much about that, Brendan? I guess we've got to look ourselves in the mirror on that one, huh? Yeah. Chatting with Sportsnet's Mark Spector <laughs> right now for Aquarian Renovations. And, of course, the, dre- the deadline, Mark, just nine days away now. And that's probably m- m- the most contributing factor as to why everybody in this hockey market's in such a stir. What are they going to add? We know they're going to add. The question has been narrowed down to just what. And that's what seems to change every day. Is it a Patrick Kane? Do they need somebody to win face-offs? I mean, the answers are yes and yes and yes and yes, you need a defender and all this sort of stuff. But ultimately, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to bring it all in. So I guess I'll ask it this way. Like, do you see um, or feel the, the sort of ever-evolving trade needs for this team as much as, as I do in terms of it almost seems like on a game-to-game basis, you could make an argument for a, a few different types of players needing to be added to this mix. So that's exactly what's going on, right? We started this thing back in December saying, oh boy, Joel Edmondson and and you know, Gavrikov and stay at home, hard cycle busting defensemen. And now we've rolled through offensive defensemen and we've rolled through the Patrick Keynes. And, you know, I love the thought of O'Reilly here and all those things. And now that I look at a team that's leading the NHL in scoring, right? Goals per game. Uh, I just don't get why we're talking about offensive catalyst guys that are coming in to score a bunch of goals. I just, yeah, are they a little light on right wing? Of course they are. There's no getting around that. But, you know, <laughs> they still lead the league in goals, right? They lead the league in goals per game. So, I mean, what do you think? What do you see when you watch them, Brendan? Do you, you know, do you see more games won if you think you're going to get to five goals every night? Or do you maybe see more games won if you can keep holding them to two? Well, to me, the, the the real thing is, are you difficult enough to play against everywhere on the ice? And the answer to that question, in my opinion, is still no. So that leads me to believe that it's not just necessarily one addition. It's got to be a scrap to win a face-off, you know, at critical junctures of the game and in critical spots on the ice, that type of thing. It's got to be difficult to pull the puck out of the Oilers' corner the way that Adam Larson made it difficult, that sort of thing. And, and that is what... I, I, I think has been the recent model of playoff success, if you will. There's there's that top-end talent that we've seen Colorado and Tampa boast, but it's the other pieces that can go in there and make sure that the job is done prior to the puck even getting to a guy like McKinnon. So to me, that's what's different right. for this Oilers team. It's just a matter of how do you address all of that at one deadline. Well, you, you can't. First of all, you can't, especially when you're an LTI team like Edmonton. They only have so many assets here and can only bring in so much. You can blow out as many first-round picks as you want. You have to have salary cap space to bring whoever you're getting in. So I personally have always thought that the Eric Carlson thing was a fantasy from the start to the end. I'm not saying the Oilers and Sharks didn't talk about it, but I will stand on the fact that teams don't pick up, you know, two and three and four million dollar chunks of salary for as long as four seasons. That's what's got to happen to make that trade work. So I just, I, I don't think it'll happen. Um, I agree with you. You know, when you say be harder to play against, you're talking about probably depth people. Eminence mm-hmm. not hard enough to play against for sure. But what I want to see is, you know, I asked Jay Whitcroft at a presser yesterday morning about, you know, maybe he doesn't need to play his, his, uh, 
top guy so much. What if he gave a little more ice time to his depth guys? And basically his answer was, maybe my depth guys look better because they're getting less ice time. So if that's how it is, and that's how the coach sees it, I'll tell you this, in my opinion, they overplay McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're on the ice too much in every single situation at all times. They need to engage the lower half of this team, particularly the forwards, and if the coach thinks that they're not good enough to be any further engaged than they are now, then he needs a better bottom six. And and I feel like what you're saying is true. They depth guys that you want to throw over the boards. You need third and fourth line guys that you're not trying to hide by playing McDavid and Dreisaitl as much as you play them. So, listen, you're not going to get any better offensively. They're already the best offensive team in the league. You could sure get a lot better on the other side of the game, the other side of the puck. And to me, that's exactly what the order should be doing. Certainly. Trying to insulate what they already have there, to me, would be the biggest thing. Yes. Chatting with uh, Mark yes. Spector right now from Sportsnet for our friends at Aquarian Renovations. Uh, Spec was scheduled to go out east, but it sounds like we're calling an audible for him uh, ahead of this game against <laughs> Pittsburgh. Now, let's, let's stop and pause because this is where a lot of people are starting to draw comparisons. Oilers now to Pittsburgh from maybe a couple of years ago when you're talking about that top and upper echelon talent for maybe two or three three players, and then how do you support the rest of that? Uh, what's your stance on that? How similar do you see this Emler, uh, sorry, this Edmonton side, uh, you know, in terms of the construction or how Pittsburgh went about it before? I know Pittsburgh had some cups to hang their hat on at that point, but let's call it the 2016-17 Penguins. Are there similarities that you could draw to this year's Oilers? Um, that's, a, that's an interesting thought, you know? That's an interesting thought. I want to say I don't, you know, I can certainly think of a couple things. Edmonton's goaltending isn't proven, although if you're talking about the later cups for Pittsburgh, I believe we're talking about the cup where Matt Murray took over from Marc-Andre Fleury, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. He was not proven either. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury gave them proven goaltending, but he wasn't the guy between the pipes when it counted. So that tells me that, you know, they did it with a goalie in Matt Murray that we didn't really know much about back then. Uh, I would say Edmonton didn't have, uh, doesn't have a Chris Letang, but I would tell you that there's a lot more skill in the top six than uh, in Edmonton than there was back in in Pittsburgh. You know, remember they all those guys they were running out with um, with Malkin and with Crosby, guys like Rust and uh, I think Gensel was just starting out then. He was on that team, yeah. but we'd not really heard of him. He's turned into a fantastic player, Gensel for mm-hmm. sure. But we didn't know that then. He wasn't Evander Kane back then or, or, or Zach Hyman or Ryan Nugent Hopkins when that run started. So, you know, the similarities start with Malkin and Crosby versus uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, but from that point on, I mean, I would tell you that Pittsburgh had a lot of unknowns on those teams. Uh, they didn't have, like, when I was when I was at their cups in 08 and 09, they had a little different setup, right? They had guys like Max Talbot and they had Brooks Orpik was uh, basically Adam Larson for that team, maybe better. Uh, Edmonton could sure use that guy, and I'm not sure Pittsburgh has that guy today. Let me ask you this, Mark. The scratching guys well ahead of the trade deadline for trade-related purposes, where do you fall on this? What's your opinion? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. I want to say they're not all not all of those guys are built the same, 
Okay, Gavrikov apparently is healthy, not playing because they're just they're clearly going to trade this guy in Columbus, and they're protecting him because he's a hard player, he's a shot blocker, he's the kind of guy that could get hurt at any moment. Uh, when they sat out Jacob Chikrin, and he didn't practice for a long time, I'm here to tell you, I think he was injured, right? I think he just came back to practice like yesterday or the day before. So I get it why you're not playing Chikrin in games if you're Arizona, but you tell me why he's not practicing. So now I'm saying to you, Jeff Ch- uh, Jacob Chikrin, long history of injuries, right? Been hurt a ton. Now he's coming off of something else. Uh, is you know, am I getting a guy that's dented up already? Like, I don't want that guy going down the stretch. I don't want a guy that's going to give me five games and be on the IR. So <laughs> I get it when you sit a guy that's very precious. Uh, you know, Luke Shen, I get it. I'd sit Luke Shen in Vancouver because Vancouver the wins and losses don't matter right now. Um, but I don't love the smell of what's going on with that Chikrin deal in uh, Arizona. And I'm not sure... Uh, listen, there's a reason the guy's been on the block for pushing two years and not been dealt. Uh, one of them is injuries. There's no doubt about that. And you wonder if that eventually is going to force Armstrong back on his demanding price there. Or does somebody finally step up? I mean, I, I guess Toronto expended all of their assets in that trade, but that seemed like a fit. You wonder what L.A. does. There's there's certainly some suitors out there for this saga to finally come to an end. But I, I don't know that I've ever heard of like trade fatigue before this chicken thing. And now that term is actually being floated around by some insiders. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But a couple years worth of this, yeah, of course you're going to be fatigued. Yeah, I'm I'm getting fatigue with the Chikrin deal. Uh, listen, I think what we're talking about is pressure points. There's no pressure on Bill Armstrong to trade this player, so his price remains high. You know, he's not a guy with a pending UFA who, near the deadline, finally has to say, "Okay, I guess I got to get rid of this guy," uh, which you'll see. You know, we see every year around the league. So now, if if we all agree that trade fatigue sitting in on each side setting in on each side we might have a gm in 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 armstrong that's saying look i'm going to keep this thing as high as i can right through the deadline but i'll tell you what if i don't trade him at the deadline he's gone by the draft i'll lower my sights i'll trade him at the draft so let's see i I think to me it's really about jeff chicker jacob chickren and when he said you know if they pass this deadline and don't move him does he and his agent approach arizona and say look we got to do something here. Uh, I've had enough. I've got my trade fatigue. I got to move, move me in the summer. And does Armstrong, who has that player under contract, does he respect Chickren's wishes, or does he say, "Look, you signed, you play"? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, let me leave you with one more here. As far as teams that are are piquing your interest most nine days out of the trade deadline, we'll get to talk to you in a week's time, a couple days before it actually goes down here. But St. Louis looking like a seller, of course, especially after that O'Reilly deal. Um, They are a seller. What am I saying? They've already gotten rid of Tarasenko. How about Nashville, right? There's another team. You wonder whether Calgary is going to have the scales tipped in the next week or so to be a buyer or a seller. But I'm curious what team you are keeping a close eye on uh, maybe minus the Oilers of course heading into the March 3rd deadline well there's a, certainly a couple of players that interest me and, and the guy sitting in Edmonton uh, uh, you know that needs a couple that need looking for a, a higher impact defenseman one of them is Matthias Ekholm in Nashville uh, he's a very good player and and 
he's a big part of what they have in Nashville. If Nashville moves that player, you know, that's a big deal. That's 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 not a small um, admission by David Paul that, okay, i got to take this thing down a little bit. So that, to me, is a guy I'm watching for sure at home because he's a fabulous defenseman in my eyes. Tough, hard, skilled enough. Uh, boy, he'd look good here in Edmonton. And the other guy, the other guy, Brandon, that, you know, when Anaheim signed John Klingberg last summer to that one-year deal, we said that very day, this guy could quite possibly be the most sought-after player at the trade deadline in March, right? You knew he wasn't finishing the season in Anaheim. He signed a one-year deal there for one explicit reason, to have a place to play and then to get moved to a contender. And I, you know, I know his season hasn't been great. He reminds me of Duncan Keith in Chicago last year, surrounded by a very poor team. His numbers were poor, Duncan's, but he came to Edmonton. He was very good. Now, Klingberg's name, I've barely heard Klingberg's name out there. Have you? Not really. Not lately. Yeah. He's a, you know, I watched him in the bubble when the, when Dallas went to the Stanley Cup finally or watched every game, and I thought he was he was better than Heiskanen during that run, in my opinion. Excellent player. Now, guys say, okay, he's not that strong defensively, and he's not having a good year and all those things. But, man, he's a big, strong, good, puck-moving, skilled defenseman uh, who's sitting here at the deadline, and Anaheim can't wait to move him. So I'm interested to see. Uh, That's one name that that has been underplayed in this deadline, Brandon. And for in a city here where they're talking about defensemen, I'm surprised how little we're talking about John Klingberg. Perhaps a sleeper name to watch. Speck, it was great to talk to you. I hope you get home back to Edmonton safe, my friend. <laughs> I'm trying, buddy. I'm trying. <laughs> All right, there you go. Mark Spector for our friends at Aquarian Renovations, an experience worth sharing. Get started today at AquarianRenovations.com. Remind you, some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. Back in a moment with the Oilers now injury report.